Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your grace and your mercies. We thank you that while we were yet criminals, while we were yet sinners, while we committed treason against you, you chose us, you preferred us, you liked us. You went the extra mile to give us Jesus. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for angelic assistance. We thank you for the blood that speaketh better things over our life. We thank you for translating us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We thank you that you like us, that you choose us, that you prefer us, that you love us. We thank you that you leave the 99 to come after the one. We thank you that even though we gave you a thousand and one reasons not to choose us, you had one reason to accept us, to love us, and to come for us. We never take this for granted. We thank you most importantly that we can call you our Father and that you call us your children. We pray that may Christ alone be exalted in our discussion tonight. In the name of our Lord Jesus, Amen. We thank God and we do not grow weary in giving the thanks and the praise. Because as long as he has qualified us, as long as he has deemed us fit, to see another day, to experience another level of his mercy, to be counted among the living, we would continue to work the works of him who has sent us while we are in the day season of our life. So tonight we are continuing our study, our encouragement, our word from the Lord. We should finish everything that we have started, every agenda, every vision, every project God laid upon our hearts that we started in the year 2022. God is telling us that as his children, we have to finish it up. And this was the master key that Moses used against God himself. Whenever God was tired and was weary about the Israelites and he wanted to just um, give up on them and just destroy them in the wilderness, then Moses would remind God that, hey, you are not a man that does not finish what he starts. If the people should hear that you brought people out of Egypt and you could not deliver them into the promise that they will laugh at you. And the Bible said, and it repented God. But yet another time again, God came to Moses that I am tired of these people. They are frustrating. And God knew that Moses would bring up that card again. So this time God told Moses that, you know what? I will start a new generation with you. But Moses again said that the agenda is to bring the Israelites, not the Mosesites. Because the word you gave to Abraham was that his seed or, the, or his generation, the descendants will be in captivity for 400 years and you will deliver them not just a group or not just one part of them, but all of them. So God himself was bounded by the reality that he must finish every project he starts, regardless of the obstacles, the giants he faces on his way. And as his children, we are to imitate him according to Ephesians 1, Ephesians 5 verse 1. So tonight, God is continuing to encourage us that that vision, that project, that agenda that he laid up on our hearts in the year 2022, that he laid upon our half to start. God is saying that the goal is to finish it, not to start. Because relatively, it's easier to start a project because they are full of life. They are full of energy. You are just seeing the opportunity. You know, sometimes we look at the way we would we will be paying ourselves or uh, we'll be calling you, say, Madame, boss, CEO, and you put it on your bio <laughs> and all those interesting things. When you see an opportunity, 
that seems so lucrative, we are so full of life to jump on it that not long after, when we begin to face the reality of accomplishing our dreams, then things become wearing for us. Then it seems as though we made a mistake. It seems as though we begin to doubt the authenticity of the vision, of the work, of the project we wanted to start. Jesus went through the same thing. He knew very well that he should have died on the cross. At the point, his body was just died. He just wanted the cup to pass him by. But he also said that my work or my meat is to do the work of him who are sent me and to accomplish it all and to finish it. Paul talks about this thing about God also. He said, I am confident of this very thing, that the same God who began that good work in you, he will bring it to an end. And God is encouraging that, that regardless of the situations of life, regardless of the giant's life truths that you, regardless of the mountains of life, we must finish every project that he gives us. We must finish it. And in the year 2022, whatever vim and vigor and vision you started the year with, whatever ambition you started the year with, God is saying to us in our ninth month that we have carried our baby and it's now time for us to push. And that's when the pain becomes more excruciating. But that's when we are not supposed to give up. That is when we are supposed to put in our last breath because at that point, the baby is mature. All the baby needs is the final push. And God is saying that that final push is for us to finish whatever agenda that God laid upon our heart. It's very easy to start a relationship or relatively easy because at that point you are full of raging emotions. You can imagine spending time or your lifetime with that person. Whenever you wake up, looking at the person's picture is the first thing you want to do. And it is relatively easier because hormones are facilitating the, the, <laughs> you expressing love. But long, not long after, the realities of the commitments you made begins to face and then it becomes almost an impossible mission. So many people have given up on so many projects, especially if you come to Ghana. I don't know what it's the same for other African countries or other countries. But you see so many uncompleted buildings, so many uncompleted projects. There's a particular place on our beach road in Accra. There's a huge story building about more than 10 floors. And that huge monument is lying or is sitting there uncompleted. So many people start, many people begin with them, but it is very few that end. But God is saying that as his children, we are to finish whatever we start. And thank God for the Bible. I like to call the Bible or I like to refer to the Bible as the past questions of life. And if you are a student, you appreciate how just by solving past questions, you have, you have already conquered like 80% of the exam. And the Bible is the past question to life to all the frustration that life will throw us. And we say it is hard. It is really tempting to give up. Because sometimes the people who started to give you funds, they themselves would have forgotten about it. And it's very easy to just slip up. Because we ourselves, we forget. When you are beginning the year, you write down so many things. You start, but a week will pass, a month will pass, and we forgot that we even started the project. And so tonight, we want to just look at the obstacles that come our way, that cause us not to finish the agenda of God for our life. We want to look into the past questions of life. Let us see the questions that came in the past and the questions that are also coming in our life. And God will next week we'll look at arsenals to overcome these obstacles. And last week, we are looking at Ezra chapter 4. We are looking at when a group of people called the Israelites had returned from captivity. And under the leadership of Zerubbabel, 
and Joshua and people like Nehemiah and Ezra, they wanted to rebuild the glory of Jerusalem and the glory of Israel. And Nehemiah helped them in rebuilding the world. And now this group of people wanted to rebuild the temple. And in Ezra chapter 3, we see that the rebuilding project started. And when they had laid the foundation, I like the part of Ezra chapter 3, the ending, the ending verses. It talked about the fact that after they had laid the foundation, the old men amongst them were crying. Because when they remembered the glory of the former temple, that's the foundation of that old temple and the foundation that they have laid. They knew that, no, darling, we are going back. But the young men were rejoicing because for them, a temple has been laid. And the Bible says that, and that day there was great noise because the old men were crying and the young men were laughing. But whatever be the case, the building was laid. And I like the way the Bible describes the people of Israel. So let's go to Ezra chapter 4. We'll be perusing this verse or this, this, this chapter. That's what we are going to look at. It says that we will use the King James and the NIV version, but for the reading, I'll use the NIV version. It says that now when the enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard that the exiles were building a temple for the Lord, the God of Israel. You see, one thing I like about the Bible is that it never polishes things, it does not try to make the heroes in the story look good. It writes the story as it is. And it's interesting how the Bible refers to the Israelites. It refers to them as exiles. And the King James says, when the captives, the children of captivity. So it's interesting that the Bible is acknowledging the history of these people. That these are people who are from exile. These are children of captivity, children of maltreatment, children of bamboozling from Babylon, children who have been beaten up by life. But regardless of their beating by life, they still set themselves an agenda to rebuild the temple. And this is what we must appreciate, that we should not allow how life has bullied us to determine how we will spend the rest of our life. We may have had a horrible past, but God is letting us know that if these Israelites could have a dream, your dream, you could also have a dream. Many of us, we don't even think big of ourselves. All we want to do is to marry, have a nice car, possible two, one for you, one for your wife, if possible three, have a nice paying job. Because for you, when you look at where you have come from, but God is letting us appreciate the fact that you may be an exile. You see, one of my own spiritual instructors is that faith is not the denying or is not ignoring the reality. But faith is in spite of the reality, believing or in spite of what is before you, choosing to believe the word of God. The reality or the state of the Israelites were that they were children of captivity or that they were exiles. But regardless of that, they set upon themselves an agenda to build a temple. You cannot just leave 2022 ordinary. You cannot just say because you don't have a job or because you don't have this or because you don't have that. You are not making any plans. You are not making any steps to achieving the agenda of God for your life. Don't be idle regardless of your situation. For many of us, you have said, because we didn't get that opportunity, because we don't have that certificate, because we don't have that family background, we are just sitting idle waiting for things to happen. We are just waiting and playing the blame game. But these people, who were exiled, these were children of captivity. They set themselves an agenda to build a temple. Even though the elder people saw the foundation that they had laid and they said, ah, the older temple was better. At least they built something. And God is saying that in this year, we may have a few months to go, but arrive and start to build. 
arise and start to make that change. It is never too late to make that change. As long as God keeps qualifying you to see another day, it is never too late to make that change, to make that decision. Do not accept the state of which life has been to you. So we continue to read. We are using the NIV version. Now, when the enemies of Judah and the Benjamin heard that the exiles were building a temple for the Lord, the God of Israel. Now, we are looking at the first obstacle or the first hindrance or the first reason why many of us are unable to finish the agenda of God for our life. The reason why many of us are unable to accomplish whatever we finished. They came to Zerubbabel, who came, the enemies of Judah and the enemies of Judah and Benjamin. They came to Zerubbabel and to the heads of the families and said, Let us help you build, because like you, we seek your God and have been sacrificed to him since the time of Exhadon, the king of Syria, who brought us here. But Zerubbabel, Joshua, and the rest of the heads of the families of Israel answered, You have no part with us in building the temple to our God. We alone will build it for the Lord, the God of the God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, commanded us. The first thing that we need to know in accomplishing the agenda that God has given to us is that we need to be discerning enough to know those who are genuinely for us. You see, one thing I've noticed about Ghanaians is that as long as you don't agree with the Ghanaian, you are his enemy. So I remember one day on my way to work, I was with a colleague and we were discussing this thing that one thing about Ghanaian is that we are really emotional with our dealings. It's very hard for a Ghanaian to be professional in the sense that imagine you and your close friend, you go into a meeting, a board meeting, and you are angry or the both of you are on different sides. Maybe the company wants to take a particular project and one person says, no, I don't think we should do it. Or your friend says, I don't think we should do it. And you say, I think we should do it. Because of what happens in that meeting, when you leave the meeting, many of us will not become friends or the friendship becomes a lot. Because for many of us, as long as you don't agree with me, you are my enemy. As long as you don't see life the way I see life, you are my enemy. As long as you don't, you are not a yes man to me, you are my enemy. That is why even in Ghana, if you speak for the government, they'll call you attack you that go because you are this party. So it's as though all of us belong to a particular party or not. Immediately you speak for this party or speak against this party or do not agree with what the government the day is doing. They claim because we are the opposite party. So it's as though you as an individual cannot have a mind of your own, you must belong to a party. That is why you will stand for war against something. But this scripture is telling us that these people seem to agree with what the Israelites were doing and they were genuinely their enemies. And this is what you must learn to appreciate that many people come as wolves but in sheep's clothing. And it is imperative for every Christian to be able to grow and nurture your senses enough to discern the people that come into your life. It's a responsibility that we must take on our own, not relegate to our pastors or relegate to our purpose or relegate to somebody. That is why for many people, we cannot choose until we want to marry. You must always go to that person to endorse or to choose for us. It is always good to seek advice. It's always good to seek guidance. It's always good to seek the opinion of people. But they should never be the final authority in whatever you decide to do. But for many of us, when we have, let's say, a young man finds three ladies and he doesn't know who to choose, he will go and say, Papa or Mama or whoever, choose one out of the three of you. 
Because many of us, we are failing to develop the responsibility of knowing how to be a discerner of the people that comes into our life. But Zerubbabel and the heads of the families and Joshua, they said that they were able to see through these people that even though you are saying the right words, even though you claim that you agree with us, you are really not for us. And there are people that will come into your life with this facade. There are many people that will say, that will always say the right words, that will always have the right appearance, that will always have the right strategies, but genuinely they are never for you. So you need the first obstacle or the first thing you need to be aware of in building or in accomplishing the vision that God has given to you is that be aware of the people you invite onto your team. Be aware of the people you decide to partner with. Because if you partner with the wrong person, you are going to have a very frustrating journey. That is why even in the even among athletes, when let's say somebody is running the race and the person thinks like, he has the potential to win gold, but for several attempts, the person has not won gold. What they mostly do is that they'd like to change the coach because they appreciate the fact that even though they have what it takes, if they do not have the right partner, the right coach, the right manager, there's a limit to what they can achieve. And this strategy works everywhere, even in military. That is why people are always careful of infiltrations. Because immediately somebody be part of your team, it's very easy to bring a team down. That is why the Bible says, man's enemies shall be people of his own household. The people you allow into your own household, they are the people that are the easiest to betray you. That is why you will describe or a Pharisee or whoever that sold that Jesus, but it was a member of the twelve that sold that Jesus. And there's this term that is mostly used in military um, scenarios or settings, the fifth column. And it was mostly, it's accredited to a general during the Spanish Civil War. I think his name is General Molavidal, who used the term the fifth column because in those days there were four columns when the armies are going to fight. And I think he was going into a battle and he was so sure of victory. And one of his other generals asked him that, hey, why are you so sure that you will win this battle? Like I said, because we have a fifth column. Who were the fifth column? They were spies in the city that they were going to invade. And because he knew that he had people on the inside, they are the ones who opened the gates from the inside for them to have access. That is why you must be really discerning on the people you open your life to, the people you say yes to, the people you say no to. It is your responsibility. And it's something that you must develop your senses enough to know. People like John Wesley, one of the frustrating events of his life or the, or the thorn in his flesh was the woman he decided to marry. His wife was a thorn in his flesh. And when you read about John Wesley and his wife or the, the headache his wife gave to him, you'll be amazed that John Wesley was still able to power through this woman that he married. But his life would have been easier and maybe he could have accomplished more if you are partnered with the right person, beware of evil partnerships. That is why the Bible said that we should not know any man after the flesh because we will always be deceived by the appearance of people. That is why you must see beyond people's appearance because the day you form evil partnership, the day you are prolonging and frustrating your journey. Let's look at what the next thing that these people did. So the Bible says that, then the people around them set out 
to discourage the people of Judah and make them afraid to go on building. Why don't we finish the journey? Why don't we finish the project? Why don't we accomplish the vision? It's because of evil partnerships. The second reason is because of discouragement. Discouragement. Let's look at how they, then now we're on the verse 4. Let's look at how the King James puts the verse 4. He says that the people of the land weakened the hands of the people of Judah and troubled them in building. They weakened their hand. How did they weaken their hand? Discouraging them. That is why generally we must be aware of these things. That is why I always say that when you hear the word God, it's generally supposed to impact two things into your life. It's supposed to impact faith. It's supposed to impact grace. It's called the word of faith. It's able to build you up. God's word is a builder. God is a builder. He's not a puller of it. He doesn't tear down things or good things, but see, he's an encourager. That's why whenever you hear the word of God, God is encouraging you. God is building you up that regardless of the battles you face in this life, you can push through because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Because greater is you, he, that is for you than who is against you. And the people knew the power of discouragement. So the next arsenal they knew how to weaken the people was to discourage them. Discouragement is a weapon that frustrates people. When people look at when people's minds are drawn to the huge um, um, vision that they want to do, the huge project, and their hands are weak. And many a times, I remember so many times I've been wanting to start several projects. And in fact, almost every project I have done, it was because one person encouraged me. I remember some time ago, I wanted to do something. And I was really deliberating on it for a while. And a friend, she just said that, oh, Sam, I should not worry. When I do it, she will do this, she will do that. It was about, he said, she would post it on a DP for the whole, forever. And for years, it was always on a DP. It was because of that one word. I remember the time again, I want to start something. And I was talking to someone that, oh, I don't have this, you know, I need this system. And then I was like, all you need is a laptop. You just do it, I'll do the rest. Just those words, just that sentence, it encouraged me and it strengthened my hand. But the Bible said in the verse 4, the people set out to discourage them. And next thing was to make them afraid. The King James said was to trouble them. The reason why many of us abandon the idea that God is us, the reason why many of us give up and have uncompleted projects and agendas in our life is because we are troubled, we are frightened, and because of fear. As I've said severally on this platform, fear paralyzes us. Fear paralyzes us. And many a times when we look at the situation on the ground, it's always frightening. When we look at how huge our tax is, how huge the vision is, how humongous the battles we have to fight are, we are always frightened. And the people knew that if they could terrorize the Israelites, they could achieve something. So the first thing they did was to find a form an evil partnership. And they realized that Zerubbabel and Joshua were discerning enough not to fall for it. So that was, they came to see the, the leaders or the heads of the families. The next thing they did was to try to discourage the people that you think what they are doing is happen. You think this thing they are building to come into reality. It won't come into reality. They began to frighten them. And now let's look at what they did next. So the verse 5, they bribed officials to work against them and frustrated their plans during the entire reign of Cyrus, king of Persia, down to the reign 
of Darius, the king of Persia. This is serious. The extent people would go, the extent the enemy would go, just to make God look like a liar in your life, is something we should never underestimate. I've always said that the devil does not marry, so he doesn't need your spouse for anything. The devil does not need your kidney for anything. But the reason why the devil will keep fighting us all the days of our life on this earth is just to prove God a liar in your life. And the Bible says that these people went to the bribe people against them. And the Bible said that during the reign of two kings, they continually wept and frustrated again and frustrated their plans. And this is the reality of the vision or accomplishing the vision you have. So under the series, um, fight, keep and run. I mentioned this thing that life is a continuous battle. And the day we decide to take a rest from this battle, the day we give the enemy the upper hand. Because one thing about the enemy is that they are hard workers. They do not give up. They do not go on vacation. They do not take breaks. The Bible says that, and they bribe officials to work against them and frustrated their plans during the entire reign of Cyrus, king of Persia, down to the reign of Darius, king of Persia. There's going to be frustrations. And these are things that we should be aware so that we are not taken aback by these things. Somebody was saying that, oh, he planned that this year, he will build something, he will build a house. But almost every time, almost every week, the price of cement is going up against the price of the dollar. It just looks frustrating. And I was like, Charlie, power through, power through it. Because it's not, it doesn't seem like it's going to get any better anytime soon. We are hoping for the best, but power through it. Power through it. Because it's going to be a battle that you're going to fight throughout your life. And look at the extent they went to bribe officials. Look at the extent that the enemy would go just to make you a laughing stock, just to make a mockery out of you. Let's go to the next thing they did. That's the verse. So, they tried evil partnership in the Norway. They tried to discourage the people and fighting them in the Norway. They bribed people to continually frustrate them in the Norway. But let's look at what they did in the verse 6. So they tied it under two kings, the king of Cyrus, the king of Darius. But at the beginning of the reign of, of Xerxes, they lodged an accusation against the people of Judah and Jerusalem. The next Aslam or the next the next giant we need to face to accomplish every agenda of God for our life is to power through accusations. And you see, many of us have not realized the power and the effect of accusations. The reason why Jesus died was because he was accused. In fact, a time came that they accused the man, they accused God to be the devil. And most accusations are the direct opposite of the reality. So let's see. At the beginning of the reign of Zexus, they lodged an accusation against the people of Judah and Jerusalem. And in the days of Zexus, after Zexus, the king of Persia, Bismal and Mithrada, Bahel and the rest of the associates, they wrote a letter to Zexus. The letter was written in Aramaic script and Aramaic language. So let's quickly jump to verse 11. Of verse 12. So now we are looking at the contents of the letter they wrote, the details of the accusation that the enemies of Judah and Benjamin wrote to their king Atazetus. They said, The king should know that the people who came up to us from you have gone to Jerusalem and are rebuilding that rebellious and wicked city. 
They are restoring the walls and repairing the foundations. Furthermore, the king should know that if the city is built and its walls are restored, no more taxes, tribute, or duty will be paid, and eventually the royal revenues will suffer. Now, since we are under obligation to the palace, it is not proper for us to see the king disarmed. We are sending this message to inform the king. We we'll stop at the verse 14. The power of accusations. Jesus was accused uh, when they took him to the court. And they even brought false witness against him. They accused him that he would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. They accused him that he did not obey their laws. He, he caused people to dishonor. They accused him for being bells by the Lord of the flies. They accused him every left right center. As we will see in Ghana, the power of accusations and mostly accusations are the direct opposite of who you are. So that is why almost every genuine pastor is being accused of one thing or another. People, and see when they are and people were making this discussion about um, private universities that are owned by churches. Uh, look at the school, is who can pay the school fees, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, unfortunately for these people, unfortunately for these people, they are being held captive by the accusation of certain media houses or media personnel. But what these media people may not tell you is that all these private universities that they are accusing of extorting people or whatever, on a yearly basis, they give thousands of scholarships to people on a yearly basis. I remember just recently, I was reading one church's own. You know, every year they do a report. And if I remember accurately, when the, 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 the church secretary is a, whole, a big, one of the biggest, even the biggest innovation that he was given a list of people of, of the things they have done this year. And in that year alone, they give scholarship to 12,000 people. 12,000 students. And so the interest is that those who even accuse, they say, eh, it's our offer money that they are using to enrich themselves. Those people do not even be offered. It's like in church, those who always talk about money issues, they are the ones who pay the least or close to nothing as offered. People who pay one city offering, and yet they seem to have the loudest opinion on how they check to use the money. Whereas it is not the church's duty to even create jobs or provide education. The church's sole duty is to preach the gospel, and we will need money to do that. But now churches are the ones that are building schools, building hospitals. Yet these are the same institutions who are accused of stealing money. There is no government who has built more churches in Ghana than the churches who have built more schools in Ghana than churches have done. And all of our best schools in Ghana are all built by churches. Yet still, it's the same church who will be accused of taking people's money. Most people are employed by churches, either in the church work or in organizations owned by churches. For example, universities and schools. And yet these people want the church to use their one CD offering and five CD offering to pay professors, to pay doctors in their universities. And these people seem to have an opinion. And because of the power of accusations, there are people that do not even know the reality. But because that is what certain media houses or certain people have, they run with it and they spread rumors. And many a times people are accused of directly the opposite. Somebody who came to give life was rather accused of being a destroyer. Jesus said that the devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And these were the three things that Jesus was accused of. 
I look at the incident when he went to church and there was a woman who was bound by the devil and he was speak. She was leaning upwards for about 18 years. The Bible said, and the Pharisees and the scribes were just looking at Jesus to see what he would do because they knew that he would heal the woman. And Jesus got up and he said, that, ah, look at this daughter of Abraham that the devil has bound for 18 years. And Jesus healed the woman. Ah, they quickly. They had an issue. Somebody who is healing people and giving people an opportunity to live their best life was rather accused of being a destroyer. Look at the incident of Lazarus. People, he was bringing people back from the dead. And if you read, immediately after that happened, the Bible said, and quickly the scribes and the Pharisees went back into the city and decided to plot his death. Somebody who was raising the dead. This is the power of accusations. That is why many think that if you are not aware of it, it's better you don't say much about it. And many people have, or many dreams and many projects have stalled and have been abandoned because their hands were weakened by accusations. I remember one day I was with a friend, we were talking about how his church, one of the richest people in Ghana is the member of his church. Another is used to giving sums of money. He said, hey, why is he not just addressing the issue? This guy should come and I'm like, I don't know what makes people feel. You see, there's, there's something I've noticed about successful people and non-successful people. Non-successful people always think that they should come and explain something. Oh, ask me if I was blessed, I would have explained something, I would have said something, I would have done something. But you see, these people have gone through several of these accusations and they know how to handle things. But sometimes, as long as we are saying, why doesn't this person bring a statement? And, and we're going to to everything bring a statement. Of course, there's something that you need to bring is if you're a government official and you are working on behalf of our time, but you don't have the right individuals on what to do. But because certain media houses are spreading funny, interesting stories, many of us are riding on and I people because of that, they do not give offering, they do not give their tithe because of these things. The same church, is sometimes you can be even in my church, I never really knew that they even give scholarship to, to students. It was something I did not even know. So there are many people in my church that my church pays their school fees. And every time before the semester begins, the church buys them books, buys them stationaries, buys them school bags, and it's an instance, gives them provision. I never even knew this. But many people in the church don't know this and miss the projects they have to, but they are just quick to raise accusations. And the reason why many a times we are weak Many a times we can accomplish because some of us, when we listen to the accusations, we just get to the end. That is why many people, even on social media, many influential people on social media, they have closed their comment sections because they know if they just read the comments, their hands will be weakened. That's the verse 14. Now let's look at the next thing that they did. So, so we are sending this message to inform the king, verse 15, so that a search be made in the archives of your predecessor. In this record, you would find that this city is a rebellious city, troublesome to kings and providence, a place with a long history of sedition. This is why this city must be destroyed. We inform the king that if this city is built and the walls are restored, you will be left with nothing in trans Euphrates. And you see, their reason was seen legitimate, and that's another point. But the next, oh, but I'll leave that one for later. The next thing I want us to look is that look at what happened. The king sent this reply to Rehum, the commanding officer, and Shimsha, the secretary, and the rest of the associates living in Samaria and elsewhere in Trans Ephraim's greetings. The letter you sent us has been read, 
and translated in my presence, I issue an, an order. And a search was made. And it was found that this city had a long history of revolt against kings and it had a place of rebellion and station. The next arsenal that you need to be wary of is people that like to use your past against you. So I like is it this is the enemies of Judah and Benjamin were really tactful. They knew that the Israel had a record because right from Egypt, they have been destroying kings and throughout their journey in the wilderness, they have fought several battles. Joshua came to fight several battles and they told the king that you, if you don't believe us, that if you allow these people to continue to build, they will revolt against you. Go and look at their past. And many a times, the one thing that brings people down, the one people, the one thing that causes people to abort visions and abort destinies is their past. Is their past. And many a time, our past is one of the greatest hindrances to us moving on. Because we remember several projects we started and we failed. That is why the devil, one of his wonderful titles is called the accuser of the brethren. He always brings up the past before you. So there's an incident, I think, in Zachariah, when Joshua the high priest was there, and he was really accusing by her. This is your high priest. Look at the things you are doing. And the Bible said, and an angel gave Joshua a, a number and covered him. God is a cover of things. And the devil is an exposer of our spirits. And many times, the reason why we do not have the energy to even start and finish our project is because we remember several other projects that we feel. Your past will always be brought up against you. Not long after I started preparing for tonight's podcast, I just saw a tweet by a, a popular sports journalist in Accra, and he made a statement that truly there are certain blessings that come from bad scenarios. He was recounting how that he lost his first Twitter account, and he was saying that when he joined Twitter, he was younger and he used to post a lot of what he called nonsense. And thank God he has lost accounts. Because if that account was not lost, like by now, people have brought screenshots of things he said several years ago, but now he's wise, so he doesn't post them again. And to be amazed, you the things people bring from your past. And it cripples everybody. Everybody will cripple when your past is brought before you. Imagine you being you being a, a man of God, a pastor. Then the day you are being ordained, <laughs> three and four of your ex-girlfriends are sitting in the front room and they all have a story about you. Imagine how you would shake like a leaf before them. <laughs> all of us, we shake when our past is gone before us. That is why God said that your past I will remember no more. Your past I will remember no more. And it's the same thing that the devil always tries to tell God. Whenever God is showering us with his love, and the devil go like, ah, you this God, how do you see what humans have been doing to you? Look at Adam and Eve. Look at the time there are people who try to build the Tower of Babel. Human beings have been rebelling against you. Why are you still loving them? But God is saying that the past I will remember no more. And the reason why many of us we fail in accomplishing our vision, we fail in completing the idea of God for our life, is because we remember the past failures. That is why Papa Paul said that this one thing I do, one thing you do, is to forget your past feelings. That is why the a righteous man will fall seven times. But it will take a righteous man to also get up seven times. But for many of us, when we fall, we are unable to get up again. 
For many of us, even when we get that we are trying to run again, we begin to have flashes and images of our past. But God is giving you a word of encouragement that get up and finish it. Because I, the one who matter in your life, I remember your past no more. And you, one thing that you should do is to forget the past. But know this, that they will always bring up your past. And you should have the grace and the energy to power through it. And the next thing that these people did was that they always look at seeing they are on the king's side. So it's interesting how they should quote their letter that as long as they, we just want the king to know that we risk for you. And we don't want the king to make any laws. So we are telling you that these people are building their city. If you allow them to build your city, you will not have anything left in trans-efficiency. That's what I said in the first point. You should really be a distiller of the thoughts and the intents of people. Because many people are not really who they claim to be. Many people who always, you see, people always have ulterior motives. They may be saying one thing, but they really are not saying it because for the benefit of that agenda. But they have ulterior motives. Especially if you're in the working environment, somebody who may be agreeing with the CEO or agreeing with the somebody, not because he agrees with the idea, but he wants to have, he has another agenda he wants to push. So Jesus said that many wolves have gone in sheep's clothing and many wolves will come in your life in sheep's clothing. But may God give us the ability to discern the intents and the thoughts of people. That is why the Holy Spirit is an advantage to us because man will only stay on the outside. But through partnering and having an effective work and relationship with the Holy Spirit, we are able to know the thoughts and the intents of people. And let's quickly come to our last bring it to an end. Let's look at what happened in the verse. So in the verse 23. Okay, let's start from the verse 21. Now an issue, now issue an order to these men to stop. So they are telling the king what to do. They are saying, now issue an order to these men to stop work so that this city will not be rebuilt until I so order. Be careful not to neglect this matter. Why let the threats go to the detriment of the royal interest? As soon as, so this was the street where the people were telling him. Now, as soon as the copy of the letter of the king at the service was read to Rehum and Shimsha, the secretary and their associates, they went immediately to the Jews in Jerusalem and compelled them by force to stop. Verse 24, the sad reality of many of us. Thus, the work on the house of the Lord in Jerusalem came to a standstill in the second year of the reign of Darius, the king of Persia. May no work that we begin come to a standstill in the name of our Lord Jesus. So what did these people do? The next thing that they did was that they tried to size with authority. And that is where we must constantly pray for people in authority in our lives. You must constantly pray for your spouse. You must constantly pray for your parents. You must constantly pray for your boss. You must constantly pray for the leaders in your country. You must constantly pray to pray to all people who are in any form of authority. Because if the enemy should get them on their side, you are going to face a battle that will be very difficult for you. So what these enemies did was that they tried to side and use authority in their favor. But if you are also in authority, you should be really careful the people you decide to agree with. Because many people will bring you good reasons but with bad and evil intentions. With bad and evil intentions. 
So look at the the, the arsenals these people or the, the obstacles these people have to face. Evil partnership, accusations, weakening, fear, discouragement, lies. And now they are using authority against them. And I like what the Bible says in the verse 24, the verse 23. They went immediately. I always like the way the enemy went. They went immediately. As for us, we are always, oh, slow but sure, slow but sure. Oh, more thinking, more analyzing. But the Lord said, this evil world, they went immediately, immediately. Time is on the essence. They went immediately. I like what Jesus told Judas. He said, Judas, quickly go and do what the, at the, at the, at the last supper. He said, that you have intended to do. Quickly go and do it. Hurry up and let's get it over with. <laughs> and they compelled them by force to stop. And they compel them by force to stop. People will use compelling force against you. That is why the Bible said that in the days of John the Baptist, even up until now, the kingdom of heaven will suffer violence. The kingdom of heaven will suffer force and opposition, a great opposition. But it is the violence that will continue to build. And next week, when we are looking at how to overcome these obstacles, you would see how. The leaders of Israelites overcame these obstacles. But one thing that you must have engraved in your heart that is going to be a bloody battle. It's going to be a bloody battle for God. There are many times you must force your body to pray. There are many times you must force your body to live for God. There are many times you must force your mind. You must beat your body. As Paul said, you must beat your body. You must use violence. And you must appreciate the fact that it is a violent world. The violent take it by force. And of course, we're not talking about worrying after the flesh. But these are things that we believers should be angry. That it's a battle. It's a battle that you are in. Life is not a friendly thing. You are in a battle. You are in a battle for the souls of people. And you are in a battle for destiny. That is why you cannot be lukewarm. That is why you cannot be pussy. That is why you cannot be lackadaisical. Because the people who are against you are using violence. And you must always match violence with violence. You should not be lukewarm. You should not be cool. You should always arise and be consistent in prayer. Because have it at the back of your mind that whatever agenda, whatever plan that God has for your life, there will be oppositions. There will be accusations. There will be threats. There will be intimidations. There will be discouragements. Authorities will go against you. But as we have said, that because he has said, we can also say that he will never leave us or forsake us, and we must always move in the mind. God wants to encourage us tonight. And I know that accusations are weakening your hand. The fear of the economy is weakening your hand. Your past is weakening your hand. When you remember how you started something and you failed, how you started this and you failed, how you started this and people laugh at you, you are being intimidated. When you remember the last time you partnered with somebody and the person is just frustrating your vision, and now your hands are weakened, the Bible says that receive strength and continue to pursue. And we just want to spend some time in prayer. We are asking grace to power through accusations, we are asking grace to power through lies, we are asking grace to power through evil partnerships. We're asking grace to power through. Power through. As we mostly say that tough times do not last, but tough people last. We are praying for toughness. We are praying for relentlessness. We are praying for an uneasy 
because we know that we are suffering violence and it takes violence to match violence. Everybody who's at ease in Zion, hear the word of the Lord, hear the word of the Lord. Awake, O sleeper, awake, O sleeper, for that vision that you have, that vision for your life would come to pass, but you must be willing to work, you must be willing to power through evil partners, you must be willing to power through accusations, you must be willing to power through intimidations, you must be willing to power through discouragement. People are discouraging you on every side. The news is discouraging on every side. But you must power through. You must learn to work. Sometimes you are working in a group of people and you know that they are gossiping against you. They are backbiting you. But you need to have a tough skin to be able to accomplish the idea of God. Father, we pray for toughness. We pray for toughness in the name of our Lord Jesus. The Father told Esau that in that day when thou have become restless, you would break the yoke over your head. Father, we pray for the grace of toughness and restlessness that you will break every intimidation in the name of our Lord Jesus. We pray that you will not be weary. We pray that you will not be discouraged. We pray for grace to go through it in the name of our Lord Jesus. The Bible talks about Jesus that even he had to learn to, he had to learn obedience by the things he suffered, by the things he powered through. Sometimes Jesus will walk in and he knows that these Pharisees and scribes are planning things against him, but yet he will go in the church in the midst of them and still power through. We pray for the anointing to power through, the toughness to power through, the grace to power through, amidst the rise in Christ, the inflation, the economy, we are going to power through because we know that because we are born of God, we are overcomers to the growth of God the Father Father, we thank you for refreshing us. We thank you for your words that we are not ignorant of the schemes of accusation, of the schemes of discouragement, of the schemes when authorities come against us. We thank you for the wisdom of a serpent. We thank you for the wisdom to excel. Because when the oceans rise and the thunders roll, you will lift up a standard for us. We thank you that we are overcomers. We are overcomers and we are getting up and finishing every agenda, every idea that God has for us. God is really reminding us of this truth that I am with you in the name of our Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We really want to encourage you, and God is really encouraging us that 2022 is still a good year for us. Whichever excitement you started the year with, God is saying, Power to it. Get up and finish it. There are many times that Jesus fell on the road to Golgotha, but he got up with the cross again. May your hands be strengthened. May your hands be strengthened. And may you have a skill to power through and accomplish the general call for your life. We thank you for joining us. And we are also powering through it. And we are going to keep working the rest of you who are sent us as long as it disqualifies us. We see you next week and remember. We are still giving God our very best. And we are only doing nothing but love. See you next week, even as we look at how to overcome the obstacles of finishing the race and finishing the project. Bye bye, and see you next week.